Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is Q&A number 34. As usual, if you have any questions that you want answered on the podcast, you can send them via email or the Facebook Messenger widget on scientifictriathlon.com. Before we get into today's questions, big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Hydration. As I record this, we're in mid-May and uh, actually temperatures here in Lisbon are hitting 30 degrees Celsius. So it's uh, getting hot and that means when I go out and do my long workouts, long rides on the weekends, I will be definitely taking extra precision hydration with me because the sweat rate is going to go up and I will be losing more sodium from my sweat than, than usual due to the, the simple fact that the heat wave has hit us. And that's something that you need to consider as well if you want to retain your workout quality. And of course, in racing, you need to have that hydration strategy to make sure that you replace enough of the sodium that you lose. Not necessarily all of the sodium, but enough that you don't get into too much of a deficit. Precision Hydration can help you do that with their free online sweat test on precisionhydration.com. And if you decide that you want to try their, their products, their electrolyte supplements, then you can use the promo code Show, all one word, all caps, to get your first tube or box of precision hydration for free. And big thanks to Roka that you can find on roka.com. And we still have a few, one week or a bit more than a week left of the big giveaway on roka.com forward slash TTS, as in that triathlon show. When you enter that giveaway, you will be entered into a draw to win a free entry to any Ironman race in the world, plus a Maverick X wetsuit, so the flagship wetsuit model of Roka, to make sure that when you get into that Ironman race, you'll actually be doing your best swim ever. So that's a fantastic first prize. And then we have plenty of great runners-up prizes with with Roka gear from various other product lines, taking the total uh, price value up to over $2,000 of uh, prices up for grabs. So this giveaway is open until Sunday, May 26th. Go to roka.com forward slash TTS to enter. All right, today's questions. First, this one is from uh, Magnus in Denmark who writes... Hi, Michael. I have some complex bike-related questions for you. What's your thought on intervals aiming to transfer power from strength or weight training to the bike? Like, for example, doing short six-second sprints or doing strength endurance training at uh, low cadence uh, in the sweet spot power range in the same period that you do strength or weight training. So let's start with the second one. So the strength endurance training, which is... uh, as Magnus says, it's low cadence work at uh, a moderate, moderately high intensity, so sweet spot, for example. And I am a big, big fan of strength endurance training. It works incredibly well for many athletes, with or without a gym. Uh, I definitely think that uh, gym training, strength training or weight training in the gym is also massively valuable. I can't say, though, whether there is any synergistic 1 plus 1 equals 3 effects of doing that resistance training and strength endurance training on the bike. And I don't think that there really is, that there has been any studies done on that. But what the strength endurance training really does is that it teaches some of your, your fast twitch muscle fibers to be more aerobic. So you will produce less lactate and be more efficient, get better endurance simply. 
Uh, and, and that is, of course, for us triathletes, for time trial cyclists, it is uh, massively valuable. So you will increase your threshold power uh, when, when you do that, that type of work and, and be able to go at a very high sub-maximal intensity for longer durations. So, so that's the main, main idea there. But also for different triathlon races and, and some time trial distances, I guess, as well. But in triathlon, especially for distances from the Olympic to the half Ironman, the strength endurance training, the power is such that it's fairly close to the powers that you would hold in those ranges, which has the added benefit that you also work on uh, economization. So you maximize your exercise economy at intensities close to race intensity. So that's that's not a bad added bonus either for, for that, uh, that type of training. To give you an example of strength endurance training and the results that you can see, uh, I just had one of my athletes... And I don't think he minds me sharing these results. Just this last weekend, he did a follow-up inside test. I talked about the inside testing that I do before. And he did that now in uh, early May after initially testing in January. And what we found in January was that uh, without going into too much detail, we, want to fo- we wanted to focus particularly on strength endurance to uh, bring down his lactate building rate, his VLA max, and make sure that he can be much more efficient at submaximal intensities. So we've been doing basically four months of, of doing a lot of that type of strength endurance, moderate intensity training with a lot of low cadence work as well. And what ended up happening is that uh, now we found in the follow-up test that this has worked incredibly well and we really lowered his lactate building rate and increased his threshold power. So, so the threshold power went from 261 watts to 312 watts, which is a 50 watt or 19% increase which is really, really fantastic in, in four months. And this happened even though his VO2 max actually decreased slightly from 51 to 53 uh, milliliters per kilogram per minute. And finally, one more thing that uh, we saw is that his uh, maximum fat oxidation rate, it increased by 69%. So it increased from 4.8 kilocalories per hour per kilogram to 8.1%. So this also goes to show that the strength endurance training, it really is a great type of training when you want to, to increase your, your fat oxidation rates. And, and it also is, uh, I think, testament to some things that we've been talking about a lot recently in that there's a lot of talk about fat oxidation. And really, most of that fat oxidation improvements that you might want to have, it will come from actually proper training rather than from nutrition. Uh, although nutrition can play a part, but it's the icing on the cake. It's not the be-all, end-all. The training is what makes the, the the vast majority of the difference there. And for even more information about low-cadence training, strength endurance training, go and check out Q&A number 31, because I talk about, about that type of training in that episode as well. So that's Q&A number 31, and I'll link to it in the episode description. As for the short sprints, the six-second sprints, I can't say that I use that much personally or at all or in my coaching. Maybe I should though. It can be a great way to work on neuromuscular recruitment and could be beneficial for that reason. It could potentially increase economy if you if you can improve your, your recruitment that way. And it brings to mind actually the interview with uh, Dan Lodang, the coach of Jan Frodeno, who was on in episode 175 that I will link to as well. He talked about using not sprints necessarily, but 60-second all-out hard efforts. Uh, so not the same, but with a similar kind of, of principle here. They do them, them as part of, 
of some long rides. So, uh, so for example, 60-second sprints every 20 minutes. And what uh, Dan said is that uh, they do it to activate the fast-twitch muscle fibers. And the reasoning behind it is that when the slow-twitch fibers get tired during a long, long ride or during a race, you start to engage more of those fast-twitch muscle fibers. So you simply need to be able to even activate them in the first place. And that is what that type of short, hard effort will do. And obviously a six-second sprint is very different from a 60-second all-out effort, but still it's working that fast-twitch muscle fiber recruitment. So uh, so I, I would assume that you can sort of get the similar kind of benefits with that as well. And if we draw the analogy to, to resistance training, which is uh, how you started the question, we know that uh, one of the biggest or the biggest reason that we get performance benefits from doing resistance training weight training in the gym is that we improve exercise economy probably because of neuromuscular recruitment as much as strength improvements and there are studies for example that show that uh, doing heavy strength training it can improve your economy after two hours or so of submaximal cycling so, so there was this one study for example that that measured the impact of heavy weightlifting on on cycling performance and they they found that the big difference there in the two groups the one that did strength training versus the one that did not was that the group that did strength training they had better economy so more efficient after two hours of submaximal cycling and improved performance after two hours of cycling they i don't remember if they did a shorter time trial as well where there was no difference but uh, but they found that really it was later on when you would assume that they start to cycle in those fast twitch muscle fibers more often that that's when strength training really made a difference and in uh, with this background i think we can we can hypothesize at least that sprint training or just short hard efforts that they would work the same way so so i can see them being very useful as well for that reason definitely but again i'm not sure if there's a synergistic effect which i think is what you're asking about and uh, so again that one plus one equals three i have no idea about that and i don't think that this has been researched i haven't found anything but i do think that it potentially has a lot of value to do still even whether there is a synergistic effect or not uh, so there is another question that uh, Magnus sent as well, which is uh, you covered the benefit of 30-second sprint interval training in episode 151 with Dr. Jerome Corral. I was wondering whether you think it's better to do them in a seated position or in a time trial position as during uh, a time trial or triathlon race, or to do them standing with a higher power output, heart rate, and probably lactate. All right, so just a quick recap, and of course I'll link to episode 151 as well in the episode description. Definitely go and check that out. But sprint interval training is 30-second all-out intervals, or 20 to 30-second all-out intervals, with long recoveries, long full recoveries. So typically they might be four-minute recoveries, and you might do four, five, or six of these intervals. So not a lot of total work, but it's all-out, so it's really brutal. And uh, and that's that's basically it. It's very in nature. It's very anaerobic. So it uses the the anaerobic glycolytic system to produce energy, and uh, and it also works the neuromuscular system because of the high power recruitment. It's not very aerobic, but uh, or it isn't aerobic. But that being said, the the results that Dr. Coral and his colleagues have found have shown improvements in VO2 max, depending a bit on the demographic and the way that the, the study is designed. So it could potentially even improve aerobic uh, 
cap- capabilities, but we don't really know exactly for what reason. So, so that's a bit of a background for those listeners that may not know what the sprint control training methodology entails. So I was thinking about your question, Magnus, here, and intuitively, my first thought was that either sitting up or potentially even standing would be better, as even if you are in the time trial position, it's not specific at all to, to race intensity for time trialists and triathletes. But then what I did is I went back and reviewed the section on sprint interval training in the book Science and Application of High-Intensity Interval Training by Paul Larson and Martin Boucher. And, uh, and I found that from the studies that, uh, that they cite there, we know that you generally don't reach a high VO2 or heart rate anyway when typically in those studies cyclists would be sitting up. So you reach at most 90% of your VO2 max or max heart rate. But that only happens for very, very brief periods of time. So a few seconds per interval at the very end. So, so even though, as I said, and Dr. Corral said in episode 151, there have been VO2 max improvements shown. We really do not know why those improvements happen. And it's not because of spending a high amount of time at, VO, at close to VO2 max, because that's just not what happens. So, so sitting up or standing up to reach a higher VO2 compared to being in a time trial position, that's probably not what's making the difference. Even if we get to a slightly lower VO2 with being in the time trial position, there's something else at play when it comes to those aerobic improvements. So, so I don't think that that is going to be a negative to be in the time trial position compared to sitting up or standing up. So those are my thoughts on the responses of the of the aerobic oxidative system. In terms of the anaerobic and the neuromuscular, which are the primary systems that sprint interval training really targets and, and can elicit responses from, first, you mentioned that, yeah, we can produce higher lactate values if we stand up or maybe sit up, and that is probably true, and that is a sign that your glycolytic anaerobic system is doing more work. Uh, now, to be clear, I don't know this for a fact, but I, I would like you assume that this would be the case so if your goal is to improve your glycolytic anaerobic system then i would say that sitting up or standing up would be the best way to go however as you're a time trialist i i believe and for triathletes listening we don't really want to improve our anaerobic system that might be a special case for really elite uh, draft legal professional triathletes in some cases they may want to improve their anaerobic system but even that would be very rare and i can't think of of any other case where time trialists or triathletes would want to improve their anaerobic system really so so i don't think that we need to consider that really we we don't need to stand up or sit up just because we want to improve our glycolytic anaerobic system because we really don't care much about that anyway then the final consideration is the neuromuscular one and what sort of response you're getting for that system. And this is where I actually started to change my mind that, that maybe it's better, even though we're losing some power, some lactate, some heart rate, it may make sense to do it in the time trial position uh, as a triathlete or time trialists. Because if we want to get a very strong neuromuscular response and perhaps teach the body to recruit fast twitch fibers that aren't used to working then it makes sense to do it in the specific position that we'll race in, so the time trial position. In other words, what we end up doing is that we sacrifice the anaerobic adaptations that we probably don't want or need anyway for more neuromuscular adaptations that are specific to the position that we'll have in our races. 
and hopefully those aerobic adaptations would stay the same again this is something that we know from studies that we get a big deoxygenation deoxygenation in uh, in the muscles so uh, and and hope and whether you are doing your intervals at 600 watts sitting up or standing up or 500 watts in the time trial position that deoxygenation that oxygen deficit is still going to be pretty big and which is probably it's probably the aerobic adaptations that we have seen in studies might have something to do more with with the deoxygenation the the oxygen deficit that our muscles end up being in uh, from those intervals which lasts long after the intervals when when our body then needs to to start to like keep producing energy and and move more into those aerobic energy production systems rather than anaerobic once you are pedaling very softly and maybe even even passively recovering so that o2 deficit is still going to be very very big when you're that far above your your threshold so i i think that probably it's not going to make that massive a difference if you if you hit 50 watts less or 100 watts less in the time trial position because that deficit again will be so so big either way so so i would say probably if you are doing sprint interval training maybe bank on those neuromuscular adaptations and do them in the specific time trial position that you'll be racing in thank you for your question uh, magnus it was a very interesting one and uh, yeah i enjoyed researching it next question is from brandon in uh, texas united states who writes hi michael i love the show and your other info on your website I'm a 27-year-old triathlete, and I recently did an Olympic triathlon and finished in 2 hours 36 minutes. Unfortunately, I took a bad fall 5 kilometers into the bike and got pretty scuffed up. I have a very important A race coming up in 6 weeks, and I'm worried about my swim training slacking due to not being allowed in the pool because of my wounds. I have been going steady, increasing to around 18 hours per week last week before my recent race, and I am able to train 7 days per week. How do you recommend I continue forward without getting without being able to get into the pool in the next few weeks all right brandon thank you for your question and for your feedback i'm sorry to hear that you took a crash but uh, those things do happen so we just need to work around it and fortunately nothing nothing worse happened than uh, than getting some some wounds that prevent you from getting into the pool so the main thing that i would advise you to do is to get stretch cords swim stretch cords and and get get pulling get training uh, indoors in in your own home with those stretch cords uh, stretch cords to swimming is sort of like what aqua running is to running at least in this particular scenario when it's not a shoulder injury or something that's limiting you it's just that you can't get into the pool so with that i mean that it's incredibly boring but can be highly valuable and i recommend this for all my athletes when they're traveling to get stretch cords bring them with them and they can do a 15 20 minute workout and maintain a lot of the the swimming gains they would otherwise have lost during a week of traveling for example so i would say if you can get in even 50 percent of your normal swim volume using the stretch cords then you will be doing an okay job of maintaining not all but a lot of your swim capacity as for which stretch cords to get there are many options and typically the cost is something in the region of 30 to 40 dollars so so not expensive at all i use the finesse dryland stretch cords and I use the green color, that's the medium resistance one. And I don't think anybody should go to the hard resistance. I just don't think it's necessary. So it's either the medium or the light, but I would go with the medium probably. And uh, a workout that I like to use and like to give to my athletes is something like, uh, so 
a cycle in this workout would consist of first doing 40 seconds easy freestyle with the cords, then 20 seconds of sprinting butterfly, and then you take 30 to 45 seconds rest. Then you go another 40 seconds of very easy freestyle, and then you go 20 seconds of sprinting freestyle, and another 30 to 45. Actually, at that point, you have completed a cycle, and then you take a bit more rest, so, so one, one to one and a half minutes rest. And then you repeat that cycle maybe five times, and, and I will give you a roughly 20-minute workout. And if you go longer than 15 to 20 minutes for this workout, then you'll perhaps want to get a bit more creative with how you create those workouts. And there are plenty of other, other exercises. You don't need to rely just on freestyle and butterfly swimming with the cords. You can, you can do plenty of different pushes and pulls that mimic more like gym training, resistance training, and they can well, very well be added to your routine and make it a great routine. So, uh, so that's, that's definitely something that I would do if you go longer, but that gives you a basic framework for what a stretch cord session might, might look like. In addition to this, uh, one, one final thing that you can do is to actually do some technique visualization and dry land movement pattern practice to try to retain the technique. So just sit down on a mat with your, your knees on the floor and uh, sort of like in a, like bird dog is the, the exercise name if you do like a core a core session you might know the bird dog when you basically stretch out your left arm in front of you and your right leg and your uh, your left knee and your right hand would be would be on the floor so with the starting position with having both knees and both hands on the floor then you can just with your arms so your knees would stay on the floor just try to go through the movement pattern of swimming so first perhaps just visualize your stroke and then you do the actual movement pattern to do it slowly first and then you can do it faster uh, just just to make sure that you you do that technique work and this is actually something that i do before almost every swing swim as part of my my pre-swim mobility routine i do that to to make sure that i i sort of try to ingrain the technique in uh, on the dry land in outside of the of the water which is a more difficult environment to to have good perception of your stroke but when you do it on land on the floor you have a good perception of your stroke and you can actually perhaps even improve your technique by doing this sort of visualization and then actual movement pattern practice on the dry land regularly there is one other option if you have two thousand dollars to spare you might look for a vasa trainer or another swim erg machine but uh, that is perhaps not a realistic option so i won't talk much more about that but if you want to you can google scientific triathlon vasa trainer and i did interview rob sleemaker i don't remember which episode it is i might link to it in the show notes uh, i'll do that actually and uh, and then you can listen to to that episode with with rob as well uh, that wraps it up for the questions today thank you by the way brandon for your question and good luck with with your race and your recovery so uh, I will link in the show notes to, or in the episode description to introduce about sprint interval training with Jerome Corral, the Dan Lodang interview where we had the one minute sprints as part of a long run, long ride, sorry, and the interviews with Rob Sleemaker about the Vasa trainer and Q&A number 31 with low cadence training. And uh, a bit of a house cleaning item, I want to give a big shout out this week to my fellow coaches and colleagues uh, David Duge and uh, James Teagle, who both spent some time here in Lisbon recently. 
unfortunately at different time points we could, couldn't meet together all three of us but still it was great to just talk triathlon all day long with with you guys and uh, i don't know a lot about building a business but i do know that having the right people on your team is one of the most critical pieces of the puzzle so i'm very grateful to have found that you two and uh, have uh, you with me here in scientific triathlon and, and helping out with with coaching with customer support you're really really great at that job so thank you for that and again it was great hanging out with you guys thank you to our sponsors precision hydration that you can find on precisionhydration.com take their free online sweat test to get an individual hydration strategy for you and use the promo code that's triathlon show all on word all caps to get your first box or tube of electrolyte product for free and thank you to roca for sponsoring the podcast go to roca.com forward slash tts to enter the giveaway that is open until May 26th, and that will give you entry to win a free Ironman race entry and a Roka Maverick X wetsuit, along with plenty of other fantastic prizes. Or any shopping that you do on roka.com, use the promo code TTS, all caps, to get 20% off your entire order. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon. <laughs>